All right, so it should be recording now. Okay. So, hey, awesome people. Welcome to the Beyond Purpose podcast. My name's Brittany, and joined with me today is my really awesome friend, Leah Ramna. Not sure what kind of scientist she wants to be introduced as, social scientist? Yeah. Okay, she is an amazing social scientist who's about to embark on her PhD at Virginia Tech. So proud, so proud. And she's here to talk to us about what is truth. So Leah, there are so many perspectives of truth and where it comes from. Many describe it as relative, while others say that there's only one version of truth. How would you describe truth? Well, I've been thinking about this a lot for most of my life, right? Like most people have, because this is a normal activity that we embark on, right? Because self-discovery, we have to look for truths about ourselves. But in defining truth, right? And I say truth with S at the end because there are different perspectives. Therefore, there's different kinds of truths or different aspects of truth. Um, so it is ubiquitous. It is extensive. What I consider to be truth. Um, it is definitive and it's also pretty ambiguous as well. Um, it can be a tool, it can be a place, truth can be a person, truth can be a concept. Um, but for me personally, truth is something that is defined by myself. Um, and I choose to anchor my truth and, you know, my capital T truth in, in Jesus, right? Or my identity stems from the truth that truth is a person, that person is Jesus, that everything that he said is uh, true, that he guides us in his ways and uh, is exemplary in that where we should uh, just be characterizing empathy, compassion, vulnerability, um, stand up for the truth, stand up for uh, those who are uh, in different situations with us that's like a very much incomparable, but uh, standing up for people who can't stand for themselves, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there's always like a talk about, you know, you know, there's truth and then there's capital T truth, right? So there's a kind of like a duality or dichotomy between, you know, uh, truth, meaning like truth is multifaceted then, or there are different categories of truth. So it's like when I say little t, it's truth like, you know, the sky is blue. Uh, Sodium hydroxide is a chemical. Um, you are Brittany, you know? And then there's capital T truths, which kind of more so relies on eternal truths, like uh, God is, he exists. God controls the universe. God has created man. Capital T truths, like some people um, employ more truths along the lines of, uh, the government sets out these laws or sets up these laws that we have to abide by. And that is my version of truth and how I navigate my life. Um, so there's, there's a couple of things, right? So I've been reading this book called Post Truths and Political Discourses. Uh, it's written by David Block. It was written in 2016, 2017, like 2018. Between those three years, <laughs> that's when that book was published. And it goes into just like how we're living during a time where um, emotions are kind of more of our driving force rather than truth, um, where we anchor ourselves in ambiguity 
uh, of just like, we don't necessarily know what's true because of the amount of information that we have. So whichever gets me more, um, I guess more fired up or more emotional in a way that is compelling, that is where I'm going to, you know, place my coins and put my bets on. Like this is going to be what I have the most faith in. Um, so in, in this book, he is going through these different truths given by a modern sociologist. Um, name is Baggins, like Frodo Baggins. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's my brain wanting it to be Baggins. It's Baginis. So here's some truths in a nutshell, right? And there's like nine of them. So we have eternal truths, which are revealed truths, but it's mostly like religious uh, kind of truths, right? Um, and then that's kind of paired with like scientific facts because these are like based off of our cultures. There's reasoned truths, the optimistic faith and enlightenment inspired rationality in many contemporary societies. So it's like, I reason with like, my fundamental truths, but also with the truths that are given to me. So like based on what I believe and what you believe, that's how I uh, compute what is truth. There's empirical truth, which is scientific truth that has, has like um, quantifiable backings and actual like studies. There's relative truth, which is what a lot of people say. It's like, do you think murder is okay? And they're like, you know, that's relative, you know, it depends on the reason, it depends on the society, it depends on the era, you know. Murder's not okay though. <laughs> uh, there's authoritative truth, holistic truth, esoteric truth, that one's strange to me because it's like a um, conspiracy theorist, a lot of esoteric truths. Powerful truths, creative truths. Creative truths are used by like people who are in authority and then they are the ones that put laws into order or people in power that are making statements um, that aren't necessarily like empirically true or, or aren't necessarily um, uh, relatively true, but they're saying it. Therefore, that person who has power is creating truths. Um, and then there's moral truths. So it's ethics-based truth around notions such as right and wrong, virtue and vice, good and evil, and so on. Those are kind of more like culturally derived and like more historically bounded um, of like the growth and, uh, and establishment of our culture and society as human beings altogether. Um, so truth is why. Uh, and as I said before, like I anchor my truth in, um, you know, my identity as a daughter of God. Uh, Jesus Christ is my savior. And uh, what that does is it puts me at the epicenter of how I perceive my life. So this is the, a pretty interesting kind of like flow of energy of belief where it's like the thing that you empower becomes powerful um, and it becomes more of like an influential thing. Um, so this is why I say like truth is like a vessel, truth is a, an object, is because if you give faith to something, it's going to be more empowered, therefore it's going to be actually manifested, whether it be an influence in people, a building being built, uh, what have you. So it is extensive. <laughs> but I mean, what we can say is that there are definitely... Um, there are definitely things that are not true, you know? Um, 
And the thing is, this is kind of like established socially. So it's a social construction of what truth is. The sky is blue is, is a, a, the truth. It's a fact because uh, many of us observe the sky to be blue. Um, and the thing is, that w truth wouldn't be necessary for necessarily true for someone who is. There's where, you know, we see perspectives and actual physical attributes come into play when it comes to verifying truths. So it's complicated, right? But there are some things that we could agree upon, but not necessarily because it's capital T true, but because it's morally or ethically true. Um, and these are like, these are ways that we guide our lives. I think I said that before. These are uh, how... This is why we live the, our lives the way that we live them, based on fundamental truths um, that we claim as convictions. So it's definitely an object, a place, a thing. It's a noun. It's it's linguistics. It's energy. It's all of it. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. It does sound very extensive. So, um, and I know this wasn't one of the questions I sent you, but as a follow-up question, do you think there's a difference between fact and truth? Now that truth is so extensive, is there a difference? Yeah. Okay. So I think the difference between fact and truth, that could kind of have a supplementary question such as what's the difference between information and knowledge? Mm -hmm. So uh, truth can be information. Uh, information is a bunch of little truths. Uh, facts is knowledge when it has some sort of backing to it. So I I am speaking from a place of privilege because I have the internet, I have resources, I've gone to school, I've memorized things because I have the memory to do it, um, and I I can't like continue without saying my biases of like I grew up in a developing nation or rather uh, in a first world nation or whatever it's called now. And <laughs> I've had the privilege to grow up in the United States and be around people of influence. So um, when it comes to knowing the difference between information and knowledge, knowledge is just like when we finally decide based on different pockets of information that this is a fact. Mm -hmm. um, and I think getting into fact versus theory um, is important too. So theory is essentially like an established understanding of something. So it's not necessarily a fact. It's true until it's disproven. So truth is also temporal where, you know, it, it's like, okay, a fact, you know, what I'm doing right now is destabilizing facts. Because everything is always progressing, everything's always changing, we're always getting new knowledge and, and like old information is being replaced by new information. Um, and the thing is with facts too is that uh, facts are purported as truth by different like people groups, because uh, uh, or rather just different groups of society, little pockets of society, like scientists and the scientific method, the purpose of the scientific method is to keep proving the theory to keep proving that this is factual. Um, and the thing is, it's based off an accepted notion of truth. Uh, so the relative, well, the theory of relativity in physics, uh, there are many studies devoted to the theory of relativity. And the thing is, it's like, 
for me, I know nothing of the theory of relativity, but I know that it's something that is true based on uh, continued testing. And this is like giving me faith to believe that this is true. So I hope the answer that like the, the difference between fact and truth is just like uh, fact is something that we as a society have really claimed like, okay, this is something that is, this is something that is stable and we stabilize it with our faith. Truth is something that is, I mean, they're like parallel, but they're different. Truth is more of just like, essentially kind of like a belief. Um, facts are more, I guess, like definitive. Truth are more opinion-based. But that's kind of just like simplifying that. But in reality, there's not necessarily a difference. And this is the crux of social science, right? The crux of doing these critical theories because it's everything and nothing always. But that's what we're trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do when it comes to understanding truth is to really get to something that's more definitive rather than something that's more like deconstructive. You know, I want to get to some place where I don't feel like I'm crazy or talking in circles. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. So and that's a great segue to the next question. What has led you to study and explore truth at a deeper level? Well, you know, it's a, it's a number of things, right? So I grew up in a in a predominantly Christian household, and we, you know, growing up under like a Western philosophical idea of Christianity, um, there is emphasis on telling the truth. Uh, throughout the entire Bible, you know, it describes truth as a person, Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, and it, it's all about like um, kind of like moral, it's a moral compass as well. To tell the truth is to be someone who uh, exemplifies who's, who Jesus is. And that's kind of like our goal of how we're supposed to be living our life like Jesus. So uh, for me, it's more of like a, a moral conviction. And as of lately, I feel like um, moral convictions of my own do not align with moral convictions of other people, where it's not saying the truth or not being a person who stands for the truth is acceptable and kind of praised. Um, and I found it to be, you know, really disturbing. So I really wanted to kind of map where truth manifests. Um, in different places where people are more compelled to tell the truth, right? Do they lie in church? I don't know. I haven't done the research yet. Uh, do, it, uh, what causes people to lie? Why don't people want to tell the truth? Um, when, you know, our country's foundations, the United States of America is founded on Christian principles. So why is it only the like confession stand in a, in a jury room, you know, in a, in a courtroom? Why is that stand the one place that I can recall as the place where we can profess the truth without, um, without consequence, you know, loosely saying. So, um, I really came to this study because of my convictions, because I want to know, like, maybe there is some way that I can define the truth where it is actually tangible and it's made real to, like, general populations. Because, you know, uh, one of my convictions also is to have information accessible, like, intellectually accessible to a wide audience, a general audience that people will be interested in this. Um, and 
you know, I, I'm a terrible liar. So that's like another reason. I'm like, why not do a subject that like I can, I live and I exemplify because of my uh, inability to do the opposite. It's so hard for me to lie. It's hard for me to accept the truth as well or accept the story or definition without doing my own research um, and seeing like how many how many people are saying the same thing. You know, I, I look at things with a critical eye um, and I, you know, this is something we should all be doing where it's just like, okay, I see this information. Uh, what am I gonna do with it? We decide in our brains, like, are we going to accept this as a fact? Are we gonna accept all this information as a forms of truth, a conglomerate of truth, therefore a fact, and then I'm going to navigate my life differently. Because people live their lives based on the truth that they believe. And they keep saying it. Because, <laughs> I mean, um, if you know something's a lie, then you're not going to, it's either gonna, you're gonna change to compensate the lie that you once believed um, uh, to live the truth of that. Um, or, I don't know, it's just, I, this is, I love it. I love <laughs> the truth. I love telling the truth. I feel like no burden from telling the truth, you know? Um, and there's also kind of, in my studies, I've come to this realization that not a lot of people like that too. I'm going like from point A to F to Z right now. It's okay. <laughs> so there's a thing called cynical truth tellers, right? They're, they're called uh, uh, the cynics. And really what that is, it's just like um, these people tell the truth, but they don't do it in a way that's like, it's not po political. It's not like um, diplomatic. diplomatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not diplomatic. But the thing is, it's like um, what compels people to accept truth? What, what compels people to accept mistruths? Mm -hmm. uh, what makes people more inclined to accept mistruths? Like going back to the beginning where it's like people are driven by emotions now because we're not sure what's true. When did truth get lost? How can we communicate truth? Um, is it by being a cynic? Is it by being stern? Is it by... Um, doing that like the sandwich of saying something nice then the truth then something mm -hmm. nice again um th these are all components of studying the truth and i find them all to be super compelling and really moving uh and in an essence you know uh motivation to do the right thing and to return us back to the truth uh and this kind of goes to like you know we've lost the semblance of the truth and that's how we rely on our emotions so if we had some capital T truth to anchor towards, that way we'd be able to like negotiate our lives based on these truths rather than how we feel, which is temporary. So that's that's a string of reasons <laughs> why I want to study truth and why I'm doing my, this is what I'm doing my, uh, my PhD program. Uh, my dissertation on is just like how does truth manifest? Uh, how do we define truth as a society? There's a lot of opportunities. I feel like right now with the with COVID nineteen, it's presenting a lot of opportunities to um, really research how um, how information is being presented to people mm -hmm. and how 
people determine like what is true, what is false, what are what are what are what is the methodology that people are doing to like fact check? Are people fact checking or are they not? Is it because it's coming from an authoritative power or um, is it because they just don't want to do the work to check to see if this is true? Um, that's, I mean, we have a whole nation of people who are misguided because the truth is not being told. There needs to be a return to truth. So that's like the bottom line. It's like, if I can figure this out, then definitely a lot of other people can figure it out too. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's awesome. The, the conviction of, um, establishing if I could say the capital T truth or reestablishing the capital T truth in society, because, um, you know, as a fellow, I guess you could say fellow, um, believer in God and the capital T truth, you know, going through the whole conversation and just listening and observing what you've been talking about, like if facts, and, and truth are the things that are tested. And over time, you know, the one thing that has stand and stood the test of time is the capital T truth. So if we could reestablish that on earth or find a way to recommunicate that, yeah. then how many people would be able to really live life intentionally on, you know, on truth or based on truth and not, um, not have to stand on the stand in court and tell the truth or to tell the truth and not be afraid to tell the truth. We'd all be poor liars, basically. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think that's, I think that's extremely fascinating and um, could totally solve some problems that this oh, world is yeah. facing for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, in your studies of social science so far, how do you see truth, whether it's capital T truth or just truth, affecting people every day? Well, like I mentioned before, uh, this the global pandemic is really presenting an opportunity to observe how people receive truth or how um, information is being um, presented as truth to the entire globe, to the entire world right now. Um, it, if I even go back, you know, let's let's think about just the medicinal industry. Um, what if the truth was that what you needed to do primarily is just exercise and that would align the rest of your body rather than dealing with the symptoms of um, uh, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, eczema, et cetera, things associated with uh, body health, right? Mm -hmm. So um, if the truth was that they needed to exercise, right, they would have, well, if the truth was that they will get better because um, they exercise, then the people be more compelled to actually try and exercise rather than alternative truths was just like, okay, so here's another situation. You can exercise to get better. You can take this medicine to get better. You can take this other medicine so that this part of this would get better. Um, you can take this while you exercise to manage this part of the symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how the truth is presented, right? So you get like your base information and then you get some support truths, which is 
you know, it's true that like your symptoms, if you have something to kind of negate them or to like lessen them, you'll have more of a drive to uh, do the basic fundamental thing of eating right and doing exercise, right? But nobody ever just presents like the most basic thing ever. And I think that's also like a, a, a product kind of like assembly line of the truth that is given to people where it's like, okay, so this is basically it. All you have to do is exercise and eat well. And they're like, that can't be it. It has to be more complicated. But that's that's also tied to like the development of our society. So what has become necessary is to kind of overcomplicate something that's simple so that it seems more believable. So mm -hmm. it becomes into something of just like, is this believable rather than is this the truth? Um, so the questions have changed over time. And that's really based on um, as a, the development of our society from, you know, hunters and gatherers to like producers and consumers, right? So um, we have technologically advanced, we have scientifically advanced, we've had the age of enlightenment, we have self-realization, we have the golden age, we have all these things um, towards the development of people's minds, but also bodies, things that have like um, uh, unmade like processes simplified in production, like instead of like using a Flintstones car, now all we have to do is press a pedal in our car and that's it, put it on drive. So we have all these machines that are complicated to make life simple for us. So if I don't have a machine that simplifies what I need, then is it necessarily true? Is it something that will actually work? Um, like what if they said, for depression, you just need to get some vitamin D by standing out in the sun. To someone who is experiencing depression or anxiety, like I've experienced anxiety in my life, right? And then um, the these people who would assess what I would need to do said, we, we are now not, because I went to a holistic uh, therapist, she could also prescribe medicine. Um, but she said from the get-go, we don't want to give you any medicine. We want to see if we can like just solve this within your own body without any additives. So she told me, exercise, make sure you eat and sleep eight hours. And even though I was still mildly miserable, having some sort of like organized pattern in my life really just like cut down on the anxiety that I was feeling. So um, what if that was the truth, you know? What if, what if that is really the truth and now what we're being given is just like, as I said, like a, like a assembly line of the truth so that the over, over complicatedness of a simple truth is what is necessary to convince me that this is in fact truth. Um, so if I feel confused, I'm gonna be more desperate for answers as well. So like during this time of panic, um, doing a, I'm doing a lot of, I'm reading a lot because I really wanna understand um, how I can better communicate uh, calmness <laughs> to people. Um, I wanna be able to communicate things that will help them with their well-being because there are stories about people who don't even, you know, they haven't contracted the virus and they're like killing themselves, you know, because they're so worried that they're going to get it. And they have heard from so many news sources 
that like, okay, well, you can't escape it because it's 5G that's causing it. Or you can't escape it because it's airborne and it lasts on surfaces for nine days. Or like you need to put on a UV ray or put a hair dryer up your nose so that you can burn it out of there. So people are hurting themselves. And what is being created is this, um, this image that this is an unescapable, inescapable disease, a virus that's going to kill them anyways. So it's like facts right now and, and, and truths are so important. The truth is so important, especially right now, because it has people, you know, their lives are at stake. These are human lives, intrinsically valuable, that we should be. And so when we, you know, that's what comes back to this question of like, how should it be told so people understand, like, this is, this is truth. Um, and it kind of shows the development of our society and how truth has really been obscured. And it's terrible that we don't know who to trust because of how much is is considered fake news. And the thing is, um, over the last the last presidency, there's been an insurgence of fake news. So in 2017 or 2016, the word of the year was post-truth, you know? because it says that we're living in a post-truth society. And that just makes, you know, it causes the feeling of insecurity. It generates insecurity because I don't know if this is true. I'm not sure if I'm gonna be completely invested in this, you know? So the truth right now and the study of truth by social scientists, and I feel like these, this subject needs to be studied by by everybody it needs to be studied by like you know uh your business people your um religious clergy folks the news media entertainment like we need to establish a common understanding of defining characteristics of truth mm -hmm. so if we had these defining characteristics people could be like okay i know for sure that's not true so i'm not gonna let it like freak me out i'm not gonna let it deter me from um, continuing to abide by just staying at home, literally doing nothing or just reading, you know? So the truth can save lives. That's pretty much it. So we, it's just, it's just a conveyor belt of, of mistruths that have been happening lately. And I mean, we need truth more than ever. If if we don't have truth and facts, we need some semblance of truth so that we can like re regain our stability, like our our um, our fear to subside. Because there's a lot of fear driven truths that are being pushed right now. Um, there's there's conspiracy theories that are going on um, where people are saying, you know. I can't get over this 5G thing because I'm just like, guys, guys. <laughs> if conspiracy, I don't, okay. I don't, there are some levels of truth to conspiracy theories, but the thing is like, I don't employ them. Like I don't put belief and energy into them because it's like, I, I don't think conspiracy theories are necessary because per, pervasive activities and pervasive groups are so obvious that I don't, all I need to do is look. All I need to do is pay attention, and that's it. And there it is. I see the pervasiveness of the government. I see the pervasiveness of the state, of this establishment, of this institution, etc. I don't need to be like, oh, 
well, listen, they're flushing pills down the toilet and, and like it's converting all of the animals into like um, transgendered, what have you. It's just, yes, these are the things. And so um, these are the things that people are saying and, and sounds outright ridiculous. And I think that people need to pay more attention to what could possibly be misinformation or mistruth. Um, and we have a lot of trust in specific people um, that have influence in our lives. Um, but I think right now, um, truth should be more empirical because it's more of an, see, these are different, like, what kind of truth should I have more faith in right now? Empirical truth is where it's like more tests are done to prove uh, that this method works or more tests are done to prove that I should really just maintain six feet distance between people um, instead of saying, you know, uh, this is the end of the world and we're all <laughs> going to die. <laughs> uh, I think from my standpoint too, where I anchor myself in truth, um, Jesus uh, brings peace wherever he goes. And I feel like if there, this is where the emotional driven um, uh, faith and truth comes, right? Because I'm just like, if this doesn't bring me peace, then I don't necessarily um, open that with well, wide arms, you know, arms open wide. Um, but I, I take it, I analyze it, and I, you know, I fact check it. Um, if someone's telling me, like, all these messages and like forwarded voice messages of people being like, the government's putting us all in mandatory lockdown. It'll be martial law. And I'm like, <laughs> well, that I mm, let me just snopes that real quick, and then you know it brings me to this place of calmness because it like boosts my anxiety. I'm just like, this doesn't feel right. So I'm going to have to really check and see if this is real. So like truth has, I mean, even beyond the COVID, truth has a, um, a, it's alive in the decisions that we make, uh, the things that we invest in, um, the programs we decide to enroll in, the way that we treat our parents, the way that we um, decide to navigate our everyday lives. So truth is important. I mean, it's fundamentally like part of being a human being. This is what it means to be human. It is to do to deduce and to decide what is true and how I will choose to live my life based on these truths. A lot. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> this is your show. This is it's about truth. I couldn't speak about it. So I mean I wouldn't be able to speak intelligently about the social science aspect of it. What's saying though? <laughs> So you can keep going, and if we have to do a part two, we would just do a part two. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it's definitely interesting how um, simple but complex it really is, mm -hmm. uh, and how we can get caught up in the emotions of what's been stated to us versus what is really true, um, just based off of our emotions and our mindset before the statement came to us. So. Um, I think, you know, the, really the uh, task or 
feat that humanity has at this moment is overcoming not just not COVID, but overcoming our minds. Yeah. Um, COVID will come and go because it's a biological, physical thing, but our minds will be here after. And if we can't overcome our minds during this season of, you know, biological um, attack, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Virus is an attack on our bodies. Mm-hmm. But for those that don't even get it, you know, they're still going through the mind feet, the feet of the mind. Yeah. And if we don't have truth, you know, the, the right truth, how are we supposed to do that? So mm-hmm. I think this will be a test for humanity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and how, how are we going to live the rest of our life beyond COVID? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are we going to believe... Um, the fake news just because it's been shared with us or are we going to fact check it so that we can live the rest of our lives in peace? So, yeah, I mean, I think we've gone over the next two questions just in all of that. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess the last question would be what, what are the top three things that you would want fellow millennials or now, not really just anybody to know so you know, that they may not know right now? Um, it's more of like reminders, right? Uh, that everything is temporary, right? Um, that this isn't going to last forever. So that is a fundamental truth right there, that it isn't going to last forever. Um, this is not an infinite uh, situation like you were saying before, like how are we going to get past this? If we live in the truth of tomorrow, that this is going to be over, I feel like we would better um, prepare ourselves for what do we do after all of this has subsided and we've recovered. Um, uh, Thinking about the the work that we have to put in right now, uh, based on the truth that this isn't going to last forever, it requires you to really have an introspective kind of look of what have you been obsessing over? You have to ask yourself these questions. What have I been obsessing over in the last three weeks since the virus has really exploded and gone global? Um, what have I been doing to um, regain peace, if at all, if I have been trying to do that? Um, and to think about what what right now so that is a stabilizing question because when things are blown out of proportion and like when temporality has been extended on something because like we live in the moment every day 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 to day because (laughs) we wait for the daily press conferences every single day to hear what the president and the task force is saying to us of like okay when's the next projected thing but we need to take a step back and really look at the holistic picture and just be like, okay, it's not going to last forever. What am I doing today that's going to be better for my tomorrow, investing in my tomorrow and living in the reality that like, you know, heaven is still here. It's not the end of the, it's not the apocalypse, you guys. So I think (laughs) that'll be like the second thing, you know, this is not the apocalypse. I think we can all calm down. I can say with certainty that like nothing is, going to happen 
Um, as a frequent fact checker and uh, environmental scientist, um, I worked in a laboratory. It's, it was an air quality testing laboratory, but the thing is the nature of biology and just the natural processes of um, uh, viruses, bacteria, it goes away. Um, the, we, it's not the, is it, why do people call it a plague? <laughs> I don't know why people are calling it a plague. I'm like, listen, is, who is the first born gonna go? You know, <laughs> slaughter, ram, put the blood on my door. Um, I think a lot of us like kind of go back to uh, religious, um, our religious genesis, uh, because it's something that we learn first when we when we are become Christians, where it's like, hey, let's go straight to the Book of Revelations because it's the most <laughs> fun lit book to have like an electric dance party to right now, um, because it's so so crazy out there, right? Uh, so instead of having faith in the apocalypse, uh, let's have faith that this is more of um, the, a plan for the kingdom to, to come on earth, right? Um, and when I think of the end of the world, right, this is the end of the world. That just means the end of an institution, of a thought process. Because, because we're talking about truth, right? No one knows what the truth is. There's an opportunity for truth to be spoken. Um, this is not, I mean, people are dying. We have to really consider that like, you know, these are human lives. Our, our purposes are tied to um, serving our planet, you know, serving the people here. Um, but the whole world, everyone on the planet is not going to die. Um, there's, there's no comet that's gonna hit the, the world. The world's not, not gonna be set on fire. Australia was on fire for a while, but it's not like, it was very intense, but this is not like a apocalyptic, God is angry kind of thing, you know? It's like, okay, I didn't know God was conditional, you know? So, and the third thing, <laughs> the third thing would be um, to more so think about um, how to take care of your emotional heart, right? Um, and practice self-compassion. This is something that we really need to learn because self-compassion really, it requires you to deduce the truth. Um, and knowing that this is unstable times, the truth is unstable, unless you're anchored to a capital T truth in your life. Um, find what that capital T truth is in your life so that can be like your guiding force for your living your life. Um, how are you making uh, the planet a better place? How are you making the world a better place? How are you contributing to greater society? Um, and just like think about these questions so that after all this or during this, you can you can develop a way that so that you can create avenues for other people to practice self-compassion so that people can um, learn from you your demonstrative empathy. You know, how are you being vulnerable right now? Like, how are you demonstrating these things? Um, I don't trust people who aren't vulnerable. I don't trust people who are not self-compassionate because if they aren't like that to themselves, how are they gonna empathize with me in my greatest time of need? So practice self-compassion so that you can be the, the modern leader that we need to be this modern 
happens to like, we need to really adopt these kind of like uh, um, interdependent identities because we have been so much removed, especially in the United States from a collective identity that's it's more individualized. And the reason everybody's panicking and buying everything is because of this individualized identity where it's like, I need to take care of myself. And we see like moments where people are just like, you know, they're, they're being empathetic and they're, they're having, you know, they're donating the toilet paper, they're donating their hand sanitizer, et cetera, et cetera. They're giving food to people who, who need it. Um, especially right now, we see the government showing um, restraint on taxations or like, you know, their laws and the things that we've had to follow during like normal operations um, of the country. You know, so um, read some things on on self-compassion. Brene Brown's really great on that, but really hone in on that because with self-compassion, you give yourself room to grieve and to mourn, especially like time loss, um, the loss of normalcy, because that's real. Um, there's a lot of trauma associated with like the pandemic. There's a lot of trauma. You can't trust no one. You can't trust information. I don't even want to look at my phone. Like, Today, when I woke up, I was just like, I don't even, like my hands started hurting even before I touched it. So this is like, I'm embodying the trauma of a pandemic, you know? I'm like, I don't want to hear anything about any conspiracy theories. I'm just going to watch these press conferences whenever the president goes on so I can know when I can leave my house, you know? So self-compassion is really huge. Really try and learn about that because in that way you'll be able to um, kind of deduce the truth and also accept the truth even if it's hard. So that's that's the gist of it. <laughs> this short time that I've taken to explain all this Google garble. <laughs> no, but it's awesome. I think that... Um with an understanding of these things, we're not only gonna just get past this, but we'll be able to con continue to live life. I mean, it's not gonna last forever, like you said. I mean, this is not the end of the world or the you know ever never ending apocalyptic pandemic, whatever we wanna use, whatever terror word we wanna use, basically. Um, it's just, a blip in time, really, especially since, you know, our souls and spirits are eternal. And this is just a moment in eternity that once the moment's gone, it's gone and the rest of eternity is ahead of us. So once we're established on that capital T truth, the divine truth, the one that comes from the creator himself who established everything, even this moment that we're in, because he ordered it all and established mm -hmm. it all before creation began. If our foundation is him, then once this moment's over, the rest of the moments will still exist and will still come. And if this moment is our last moment on earth, we still have eternity to live. Mm -hmm. So we'll be right back here when the new earth comes mm -hmm. and we'll be living with him for eternity. So if, um, if our hearts are stuck where our spirits and souls came from, then the rest of our body will follow that. Yeah. We'll be able to live with a better mindset, knowing that the capital T truth is the foundation. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you so much, Leah, for joining us on the On Purpose podcast. I know that the listeners probably got a ton. I know I did. Um, And we'll definitely have to do a part two. I'm sure there'll be tons of questions from this one. (laughs) Ask me the same questions in five years once I'm done with this dissertation. I'll be like, I know nothing for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to that. (laughs) Look forward to it. And we'll, we'll check in too in the middle of it. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, it has been a blast and we will see you all at the top. Remember to be on purpose, live on purpose and for purpose. Bye guys. Bye.